Good morning again to those of you that are here and to those that are watching us all around the world. We're glad that you're here and glad to worship with you. The second reading this morning is from the 90th Psalm. You may follow along as it's on the screen. Lord, you have been our dwelling place throughout all generations. Before the mountains were born, or you brought forth the whole world, from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. You turn people back to dust, saying, return to dust, you mortals. A thousand years in your sight are like a day that has just gone by, or like a watch in the night. Yet you sweep people away in the sleep of death. They are like the new grass in the morning. In the morning it springs up new, but by evening it is dry and withered. Our days may come to 70 years or 80 if our strength endures, yet the best of them are but trouble and sorrow, for they quickly pass and we fly away. Teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom, and may the favor of our Lord rest upon and establish our work of our hands for us. Yes, establish the work of our hands. Friends, this is the word of the Lord. Let us pray. Almighty God, sovereign of the universe, we humbly come before you this hour Asking, O oh God, that you would open our ears to hear your word, our eyes to see all the blessings you have for us. And we ask that you would touch our Ill wills to put our feet into action to follow wherever you lead us. Precious Lord, we bow before you and ask that the words of my mouth the meditation of our hearts will be acceptable to you, our Lord, our strength, and our Redeemer. Amen. My friend Terry Suma, who is sitting out there at the gym, said he heard that I was going to preach, and he said, well, you're going to talk about money? <laughs> I guess my reputation follows me. I told him, no, this was not Stewardship Sunday. I spent seven days in Hawaii suffering for Jesus week before last. <laughs> when I checked in at the Honolulu airport, the agent said to me, Mr. Longley, I'm moving you over one seat so that the middle seat will be empty and you could have more room. I was elated because I wanted to work on this Sunday sermon during the return trip and I welcomed the extra space. However, however, no sooner was I seated when a young couple with two very small children, <laughs> aged two and six months, 
sat on either side of the aisle, each one holding a child. The young husband that sat on the aisle beside me said, Oh, thank goodness for the empty middle seat. <laughs> thank you so much for the gift of the agent. So I opened the tray in front of me, placed my sermon, and worked very diligently for 15 or 20 minutes. And then this young father asked me, Tell me, sir, what do you do for a living? When I told him that I was a retired Presbyterian pastor, his eyes lit up. I thought it was something like that because I saw the word God on the pages you were reading. <laughs> he began to tell me his story, and he talked, and he talked <laughs> most of the way home. You name the subject, and we covered his father, he told me, is the pastor of a megachurch in Hawaii with 15,000 members. But he said he was a PK, a preacher's kid, and he was wayward and had been booted out of Bible college because of sex and women and drugs. As we landed in San Jose, I told him, that I believed that we had been predestined by God to sit by each other, and I gave him my card, and I invited him to meet me at my chapel. So much for the joy of sharing, having the middle seat. As I was about to leave the plane, the two-year-old was still sleeping comfortably where I had hoped to stretch out. I guess you could call that Mid-era evangelism, Paul. The 90th Psalm is so very majestic. Here again those opening words from the prayer of Moses, written at the end of the 40 years of wandering in the wilderness. Lord, you have been our dwelling place throughout all generations. Before the mountains were born, or you brought forth the whole world, from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. In 1999, Irma and I visited Great Britain for the first time. We spent three glorious weeks in England, Scotland, and Wales. Believe it or not, we even saw Queen Elizabeth and Prince Philip and the entire royal family as they drove from Windsor Castle to the Royal Ascot races on the very first day that we were there. When we came to the last week of our vacation, I had contacted a good friend who lived in London, who I met while attending a seminar at Princeton Seminary a few years before. I told her how much I wanted to worship in Westminster Abbey on the last Sunday, which just happened to be the 4th of July. She replied she would set it up. Irma and I had worshipped in St. Giles Cathedral in Edinburgh. I'd preached in a Baptist church in Glenavon, Wales, but Westminster Abbey was the ultimate. I could hardly wait. And we were so excited about this possibility, however, 
the day before my friend phoned me to tell me that she had good news and bad news. The bad news was the Abbey was closed to the public that Sunday for an ecumenical service. But the good news was my friend knew the dean of the Abbey, the Reverend Dr. Wesley Carr, and he invited us to be his guests and we sat in the seats usually reserved for the royal family. We were treated like dignitaries and we were overwhelmed. I have to add, every time that Irma and I saw a service from the Westminster Abbey and she saw the queen, she would say, Jack, she's sitting in our seats. <laughs> we were ushered to our seats into that historic abbey, and I saw the grave marker of the great hymn writer, Isaac Watts. It may have been ironic, but the first hymn of the morning was composed by Watts, taken from the 90th Psalm, which we sang this morning. Oh God, our help in ages past, our hope for years to come. Our shelter from the stormy blast in our eternal home. Before the hills in order stood, our earth received her frame. From everlasting, thou art God, to endless years the same. A thousand years in thy sight are like an evening gone, short as the watch that ends the night before the rising sun. O oh God, our help in ages past, our hope for years to come. Be thou our guide while life shall last in our eternal home. I confess to you that I was so overwhelmed by that experience that I could not sing that hymn at that moment. I got to add something for you. For the offertory, Christopher, that morning we sang in Westminster Abbey, the 4th of July, the Battle Hymn of the Republic. With that magnificent organ leading the congregation and the boys' choir singing the descant. And mind you, the 4th of July, this was in Great Britain at the Westminster Abbey. This was then followed by God Save the Queen, and it was such an awesome experience I could not sing because I was so overwhelmed. When you read these words of Moses in our text this morning, you cannot help but reminded of those first words of the Bible. In the beginning, God. In the beginning, God. And those final words of the New Testament from the book of Revelation, I'm the Alpha, the beginning, and the Omega, the end. Before anything was, there was God. Throughout all eternity, there is God. God is, God was, and God always will be. Moses then answers a question for us, then why should we live our lives circumspectly and for the glory of God? Answer, 
because life is so uncertain. No one has the assurance you will be alive tomorrow. Again, the words of Moses. You turn people back to dust, saying, return to dust, you mortals. A thousand years are in your, in your sight are like a day that has just gone by or like a watch in the night. Yet you sweep people away in the sleep of death. They're like new grass in the morning. In the morning it springs up new, but by evening it is dry and is withered. Moses is contrasting for us the brevity of life as compared to eternity. God is eternal. We're temporal. Think of it. We have but one chance and one opportunity to get it right. It has been said that a thousand years to us is like just about four hours to God. A year with God is like a tick at the second hand of the watch. You see, God is timeless. Think of it. God doesn't grow old. God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Throughout the ages, God's memory never fades. For us, as we get older, sometimes the memory becomes cloudy, but not with God. Irma Bombeck told a great story about this to illustrate it. She told of an older woman who went to bed and asked her husband to get her some ice cream with some chocolate sauce on it. Then she admonished him, write it down and don't forget. He said, I won't forget. Then she added, oh, and put some whipped cream on it and sprinkle it with nuts. Are you writing it down? He said, I can remember. A little time later, he handed her a brown paper bag with a hot dog in it. She stared at it a minute. She said, I told you to write it down. You forgot the mustard. <laughs> God never forgets anything except our sins. God promises that he will remember our sins no more. God doesn't forget because of old age memory loss. He no longer holds our sins against us, and that's called grace. Praise God for that. The good news this morning is this. Wherever we go, there is God. Whatever we do, whatever we do, God knows. With God, there are no secrets. You can hide them from others. You can hide them from your loved ones. You can hide them the bulk of your life. But with God, there are no secrets. Our lives are totally scrutinized by God. He saw us, said the psalmist, at that very precious moment of conception. He observed us while we were being woven together in our mother's womb. And he was there at our birth. And the psalmist tells us that all our days, every one of them were known by God before there was yet one. God knew that you would be here this morning. It is no surprise to God 
to say, well, there is Chris this morning. I thought he'd be on the golf course. But there he is. God knew. God knew in the beginning. As we read from Ephesians, he called us in Christ Jesus. He chose us in Christ Jesus before he said, let there be light. We now read these verses. Our days may come to 70 years or 80 if our strength endures, yet the best of them are but trouble and sorrow. Therefore, teach us to number our days that we may have a heart of wisdom. Are you ready for this? Our days are numbered. My days are numbered. Your days are numbered. Moses is warning us in these two verses, don't waste your life. Seize the moment and seize the time you have. Now, today, our life is so brief in the span of eternity. This is the only time we have to prepare for the eternal. We get but one shot at life, just one, and you'll never relive this moment today. For each of us this morning, life begins, and someday life will end. At the age of 85, soon to turn 86, these words of Moses speak very loud and very clear to me. I'm well aware of my own mortality. I've officiated at over 500 funerals and memorial services in my 63 years of both young and old. It's true. Life begins and life will one day end, and the death rate, dear ones, is still 100%. I came face to face with death four years ago when my beloved wife of nearly 59 years died very suddenly and unexpectedly. It was a vivid reminder of how fragile our lives are and that we will all one day stand in the presence of Almighty God. Now is the time when we prepare for the eternal. We don't wait. Only God knows our datelines. Not one person here this morning, not one person here today has the assurance that you will wake up tomorrow morning. The Apostle James wrote, listen, you who say, today or tomorrow we're going to do this or go to that city, spend a year here, carry on business and make money. Why, you do not know what will happen tomorrow. What is your life? You're like a mist that appears for a little while and then it vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if it's the Lord's will, we will live and we will do this or that. Today, dear friends, is a gift to you from God. How we live this day, what we do this day, is what really counts. Today is the most important day of your life. Yesterday's gone. It's gone forever. Tomorrow may not come. So today is the gift that God has given to you. It's a special gift, a gift from God. So I urge you in this 24-hour span, make the most of it. Yesterday you cannot alter, but your reaction to yesterday you can. The past you cannot change, but your response to the past you can. 
Remember the words of Fleetwood Mac's song, Don't Stop Thinking About Tomorrow. Don't stop. It'll soon be here. It'll be here better than before. Yesterday's gone. Yesterday's gone. Yesterday's gone. Remember, God is beyond comprehension. God is without beginning and end. The same time, this very God knows all about you. This God knows every secret about you. And listen carefully. And this God loves you with an everlasting love, knowing all that he knows. I urge you, make the most of every moment given to you, especially today. Make right those broken relationships today. Seek forgiveness of someone that you may have hurt today. Call a loved one with whom you may be estranged and clear the air today. Tell your loved ones how much you love them, your wife, your husband, your children, your parents, your mothers, your brothers and sisters. Do that today. Take time to be alone with your God who loves you. The God who knows all about you, who loves you, and the God who will never forsake you. Do it today. Or maybe you've put off committing your life to Christ and proclaiming him as Lord of your life. I urge you, do it today. Right there where you're seated today. Oh God, our help in ages past, our hope for years to come. Be thou our guide while life shall last in our eternal home. Amen.